Let's pray together. Father in heaven, we come to you now asking, Father, that you would speak to us. Speak to us, God, as if it is God Almighty speaking to His created people through the blood of Jesus. And speak to us, God, in a way that we will understand. God, speak to us in such a way that we will, we will hear from you, even as we just read in Mark 4, with ears to hear. God, cause us today to hear something about you and the truth that makes us walk out of here saying, how can I live for Christ? How can my life be more about the glory of God and less about myself? God, that won't happen unless we hear from you. So we pray, Holy Spirit, that you would speak to us as you have before, as you have to so many. We ask for it, God. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you have your Bibles, please turn to Exodus chapter 8. Exodus chapter 8, as we are now into the second and third plagues. The plague started last week with the first plague, and now we will go into the second and third plagues. We don't intend to preach one sermon on all ten plagues. That would take ten weeks. Uh, So today we're going to cover two. The third plague is a rather short one. But I want to make sure that we're getting something out of this. It was mentioned the last week with the first plague, but I want to uh, really uh, talk about it a lot today. God's purpose in the plagues is not to punish these disobedient people, namely Pharaoh and the Egyptians. The purpose in the plagues is that the people who are distant from God and disobedient to God would know God. And this is what you heard me pray, and this is what I'm hoping that you will get. The purpose of all that God is doing in the world is that you would know Him. And I want to help you see a great big difference between saying you acknowledge Him, saying you believe in Him, which James tells us that even the demons do and do not repent, do not obey, do not press on to know Him. But I'm talking about knowing Him. And there is such a difference between thinking you know God and really, really knowing Him. And God Himself tells us through these plagues, That the purpose is that Pharaoh, a man made in the image of God, made for the worship and glory of God, does not know God. He has not surrendered his life to to the will and ways of God. He has not found out that obedience is the best policy. He has not found out that God will supply him all his needs, that he can trust him even in situations that don't look right. He doesn't know him. He doesn't understand that to go away from God will bring a severe punishment. He doesn't understand that to to, to disobey God will bring about consequences. Pharaoh is living life the way he knows best, the way he thinks best, and that is not right. God wants us to know him. And the plagues teach us this. Please do not ever have a conversation with somebody about God coming to just punish these people with the plagues. It is a punishment. There's something greater going on there and that he wants them to know him. And he says that. I love this. And we spent all of 2013, every single Sunday of 2013, taking a good five minutes out of our service to allow for the Philippians 1-6 testimony. You remember that. And people would come up here and we would ask them, uh, tell us how you got saved. Tell us what brought that about. Tell me how God has worked. And how many times did you hear of stories like uh, my dad died? 
which none of us are wishing for, uh, for our fathers to die. But yet, in the greatness of God, in the mystery and providence of God, in the great plan of God, and, and, and I dare say, in the love of God, God used a situation like that to cause children to know God. That's how God works. I can remember now, we, we, we've got a, we got a young man in our church who was a student at Fairdale High School, got kicked out of school for something fight related, and, and through that got to doing some community service here at church, and through that came to know the Lord Jesus Christ. Meets here every single week to worship with you all as a believer in Jesus because of a horrible situation of getting kicked out of school over fighting. God's working in that situation is that people would know Him. I think of other situations of kids getting kicked out of their homes that has resulted in them coming to know the Lord Jesus. See, God is working in situations that we would know Him. The goal and purpose of all these things is that, would, that we would know Him because once we come to know God for who He is and, and what He's like and how glorious He is, then our hearts ascribe glory to Him. So we sing these great songs that Micah puts together that say, praise you, God, for who you are. Praise you, God, that you're a mighty warrior. Well, what's so great about God being a mighty warrior? Because God's through God's mighty warlike working, people are knowing what God is like. Great, big, awesome, saving, loving, redeeming. He wants us to know him. And in the plagues, we, we have this sort of thing happening. It's teaching Pharaoh that he needs to know him. But in the plagues, we also see that Pharaoh doesn't want to know God. In his sinful, prideful, disobedient life, he doesn't care. And even though God says, I'm going to do this to you so that you'll know me, Pharaoh says, I don't care. I don't believe in you. I don't need to know you. You have that sort of thing happening. That's what you and I know and experience in the world. So read with me, if you will. Starting at Exodus chapter 8, verse 1. And we'll read all the way through the third plague, which is uh, to verse 19. Then the Lord said to Moses, Go into Pharaoh and say to him, Thus says the Lord, Let my people go that they may serve me. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. The Nile shall swarm with frogs. That shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. The frogs shall come up on you and on your people and on your servants. Aaron uh, and the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals and over the pools and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. But the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people. And I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. And he said, tomorrow. Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know, there it is, so that you may know that there is no one like the Lord our God. Verse 11, the frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. 
They shall be left only in the Nile. So Moses and Aaron went out from Pharaoh and Moses cried to the Lord about the frogs as he had agreed with Pharaoh. And the Lord did according to the word of Moses. The frogs died out in the houses, the courtyards and the fields, and they gathered them together in heaps and the land stank. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. Verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. The magicians, notice this, tried by their secret arts to produce gnats, but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. But Pharaoh's heart was hardened and he would not listen to them as the Lord had said. What a good passage. What a strong passage. Even if I don't preach anymore, just the public reading of that passage has your heart right now, if you were listening, thinking so much about sinful people and about a great, big, glorious God. Passages like that. Aren't you thankful that we are a church that reads the Scripture out loud? And aren't you thankful that we are a people who want to see what the Word of God says? Simply reading the plague passages in the book of Exodus have our hearts and minds thinking about how great God is and what it means to be going against him. And yet we see that this is serious. I want to give you four points today. The first is that there are consequences for not listening to God. Number one, there are consequences for not listening to God. Number two, the purpose of the consequences is that you would know God. The purpose of the consequences is that you would know God. Number three, sometimes people still do not listen after the consequences. Sometimes people still do not listen after the consequences. And number four, let's be clear about it. It is the finger of God in these consequences. Let's be clear about it. It is the finger of God in the consequences. So let's start at chapter 8, verse 1 with number one. There are consequences for not listening to God. In chapter 7, you have God telling them to let the people go, and they don't. And so God tells them to turn all of the water into blood. Not only the water in the Nile, but every in the Nile River, which was to them a God. Remember, all of life to them came from the Nile River. Everything they ate came out of the Nile. Everything that they worked with, as far as water goes, came out of the Nile. They had buckets at home full of water, and God turned every bit of it to blood. Why? To show them that He is God, that they need to listen to Him, that they need to know Him. And yet, even after that, they still don't listen. The Bible says that Pharaoh still hurting his heart, and that went on for a week. So, the first plague did not get Pharaoh to listen to God. So, as I told you last time, it's just going to progress. God's going to tighten it up a little bit more. It's going to tighten and tighten and tighten. And I want to remind you again that the first plague, the blood, was was not anything dangerous. It was just very inconvenient. It didn't ruin anybody's life. It didn't kill anybody necessarily. It just made things complicated. They had to dig new wells to get water. So it wasn't that dangerous. It was just bad and inconvenient. Well, here we are at chapter 8, and we're going to tighten up a little bit further. 
It's going to get a little bit worse. Uh, verse one says, go into the Pharaoh and say to him, thus says the Lord, let my people go that they may serve me again. This is the this is the purpose that we see God wanting to accomplish. God's people are in slavery in Egypt and God has promised his people he's going to make them into a great nation and give them the promised land. That's what's going to happen. If you know your Bible, you know it is going to happen. But in order for it to happen, Pharaoh's got to let them go. So God's saying, let them go. But Pharaoh's not wanting to. But that's what Moses and Aaron keep telling him. But now in verse 2, we have somewhat of a threat. But if you refuse to let them go, behold, I will plague all your country with frogs. Sounds a little bit humorous. And sounds a little bit disgusting. Frogs? Can you imagine one man speaking to the king of a great country, Egypt, saying, if you don't, man, we're going to put frogs everywhere. Sounds crazy. And when you first hear about it, you kind of think, oh, frogs, you know, I hate when I see a frog on the sidewalk at night or something like that. But this is not a few frogs. This is frogs everywhere. And we have a, a, a threat from God saying, if you don't let them go, there will be frogs everywhere. Now, I know for many of you, one slight little bit of frogs everywhere would be enough to get you to listen, right? Yesterday, we were playing outside with this fantastic weather, and the trampoline in the backyard was still in the shade, and the boys didn't know it, and right there on the edge of the trampoline was a tree frog. Y'all know what a tree frog is? The ones that look like gray, and they camouflage perfectly with a tree. Uh, so it's sitting right there on the trampoline. The boys were playing the whole time and never saw it. And so I showed them, look, boy, there's a frog right there. So we go over there, and they're like tapping on it and touching it, and I'm trying to make sure they're not going to squish it. Um, and so finally, I, I say, well, just pick it up. They're not going to pick it up. So I go over there and pick it up for them. And frogs are gross. Y'all know that. They're slimy and they're really squishy. Like the slightest little might crush them. And it's gray on top and underneath it's like this bright yellow. And, and it's got big long fingers with suction cups on it so it can climb everything. And I'm holding this thing and all of a sudden water and slime and stuff's like all over my hand and i'm like that's all right boys that's what they do you pick them up and they pee on you it's all right and in my mind i'm thinking yuck this is awful but i don't want my kids to think that their dad's afraid of a frog so i'm like that's cool man it's peeing all over me (laughs) nothing wrong with that so i'm holding this thing and trying to show it to them and they're tapping it And, and as soon as i got done i was like okay enough of this i went and put it on a tree and let's go as soon as i got done i'm like inside, wash my hands, uh, we're done with this. And it's interesting that we found a frog the day before I'm preaching to you on frogs because one frog in the backyard that's being handled is pretty gross. I'm not frogophobic or anything, but it is gross. It peed on me and the pee was kind of thick. It's gross. And God has now come to a man saying, if you don't listen to me, everything you have will be covered in frogs. There are consequences. Now, again, this is not all that dangerous. It's not saying, Pharaoh, if you don't, I'm going to kill you. God says that at times. He's not saying it now. But I want you to see that there are consequences. 
There are consequences, if you will, not listen to God. You know what would have been very simple? If Pharaoh would have done what people by faith do and they say, I don't want punishing consequences from God, I will listen. Thank you, God, for your discipline. Thank you, God, for your warning. Thank you, God, for your instruction. I will listen to you. I don't want the punishment and the consequences that are coming on my life. I don't want to neglect raising my children in the fear and admonition of the Lord so that when my children grow up, they are haywire, right? We don't want that. So we, we focus in on what it is right now, okay? I don't, want the, I don't want to deal with all the negative consequences that come about from living a sinful, rebellious life and the stresses that come from that. So we submit to the Lord now. We resist temptation and we flee from the devil and we repent of our sins now. We, 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 we trust the Lord. We don't want the consequences that are coming from those things. Pharaoh could have said... I got it. The last thing I want are frogs everywhere. I'll listen, let the people go. And it would have been over with. That's not what's going to happen. And so there are consequences. Look at verse 3. The Nile shall swarm with frogs that shall come up into your house and into your bedroom and on your bed and into the houses of your servants and your people and into your ovens and your kneading bowls. You want to talk about consequences again. God is not saying you're going to always see a frog on the trampoline. You're going to always see a frog on the sidewalk and you're not going to like it. God is saying frogs will come and find you. Can you imagine rolling over in the bed and thinking, what was that noise? And on your back, you just squished a big frog. Can you imagine you're making cinnamon rolls for the kids and you open up the oven and stick them in there and it's, there's frogs sitting in there? And by the time you stick the cinnamon rolls in there, it's already at 375 degrees and so you, now you're cooking your own frog legs, if you will. And it stinks, the Bible tells us, but they're there. And every time you step, you're stepping on another one. And I've never stepped on a frog, and I don't want to. But there's frogs everywhere. And what's going on in Pharaoh's mind? Why are there frogs everywhere? Why are there frogs in the oven? Why are there frogs in my bed? Why are there frogs all throughout my house? Why are there frogs uh, on the sidewalk? Why are there frogs everywhere we go? And in his mind, he's hearing, because there is a God that you're accountable to. There is a God that owns your life. There's a God that made you. There's a God that if He wanted to, He could shift the consequences just a little bit. Instead of there being frogs, He could make your heart stop beating. Because He is making you beat right now. And if last night you wanted to live as if God's not real, He still made your heart beat and gave you grace even in your disobedience. And for the many people that are out there today who don't want to acknowledge God or act like He's not real or they're going to set the terms and define what life is supposed to be like, it is the sheer love and grace of God that He's keeping them alive even right now. But there are consequences if you will not listen. And He says that. Verse 4, The frogs shall come up on you. It says that very thing. And on your people and on all your servants. And the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your hand with your staff over the rivers, over the canals, over the pools and make frogs come up on the land of Egypt. So Aaron stretched out his hand over the waters of Egypt and the frogs came up and covered the land of Egypt. So it's happening. The consequences there are happening. Commentator Stewart says, It is one thing for someone to be required to work harder to get potable water for his family or neighborhood, and it is quite another to have undesirable animals infesting all the lower surfaces of one's living areas. 
He goes on to say, this warning itself, if you refuse, refers to a consequence that was mainly offensive rather than truly dangerous. Again, this is not going to hurt Pharaoh's life, but it's going to tell him, I'm making your life nasty and disgusting. Frogs and dead frogs and stinky frogs and all of and slimy frogs are going to be everywhere on all of your people. And that's gross. And you know why I'm doing it? Because you won't listen to me. There are consequences. There are consequences. We see that. Now, in verse 7 it says, like it said last time on the first plague, that the magicians did the same by their secret arts and made, made frogs come up on the land of Egypt. And you see the same thing here with the blood. The magicians are doing something, again, not by the power of God. They're doing it somehow by magic. And there are truly, like I said last week, magic tricks that happen in the world that... Unless somebody tells you, you're not going to figure it out. Something's happening. It's really good work. And we don't know how, how they're doing it, but they're doing it. But I do want to mention to you that although it looks identical to the hand of God, it is not the power of God. And here's why. When the water was turned blood, what Pharaoh wanted was for the blood to go away. They could not stop it. They did not have the power to stop the plague. Same thing here. Pharaoh wants the frogs to go away. What we're going to see in the second point is he tells Moses, make them go away. Would you please pray for them to go away? And his magicians could not do that. All they could do was duplicate more frogs. You think that's helping Pharaoh? No. Pharaoh hates that there's frogs there and his magicians are going, we'll make some more. He's not getting them to go away. The problem here is that there are consequences for not listening to God. But I want to I want to take this a little bit further and just apply this on into you. I want to give you two little points of consequences under this first point. The first is there are consequences for you. If you will not listen to God in your own heart and life, there will be consequences. Disobedience is not the best policy. Oftentimes, as many of you know, sin is a ripple effect. So you know what a ripple effect is. Now that the weather's been nice, we've been going down to the creek all the time with the kids, and I'm teaching them how to skip rocks, and then every once in a while they want me to throw a big rock in. And you drop a rock in the middle of water, and it ripple effects like forever. The rock hit right there, but you can be 20 feet away, and there's still ripples in the water. You know, that that thing right there caused that. And many of you right now are still feeling the ripple effects of sin in your life, the consequences of it. God's grace abounds and you're still standing in the Lord, but the ripple effects are still there. And I want you to know that, that sin in your life brings consequences. Not listening to God brings consequences and that will affect you. You will hurt for it. You will ache over it. And the point is that you would not desire those consequences or that you would see the warning of those consequences and you would not disobey God. But you know what also has consequences? And this is something we forget. When we're, when we're disobedient, we don't think about this. And I want to, if I can, please sound, your, sound an alarm for you with this. Consequences also are for others because of you. And disobedient people don't think about this. Hey, praise God that obedient people do think about this. That's why the Bible teaches to be above reproach for those that would follow in the name of Christ. Because we are aware that consequences for not listening to God affect others. Some of you are very much so aware that when you do something that brings about disobedience, that is disobedience to God, that brings about consequences, it also affects other people. 
And it is the mature believer that says, no, I can't disobey God there because what's happening to all these people? This is exactly the situation here with Pharaoh. God is looking in and focusing in on Pharaoh. And there is a problem here with Pharaoh. But don't miss the whole point of the story. There is an entire nation behind Pharaoh that does not know God. Why? Because their leader does not know God. And I wonder how many homes there are that do not know God. Why? Because the leaders don't know God. How many schools? And I wonder, I wonder how many relationships there are that don't know God because the one doesn't know God. And see, the point here is that we would get, there are consequences to these. This is the very, this is the very heart of this quote that I've come to love so very much. It's from Martin Luther King Jr. It says, the first question that the priest and the Levite asked was, if I stop to help this man, he's talking about the parable of the Good Samaritan. He says, if I stop to help this man, what will happen to me? Which is the question that I'm saying is the first point, consequences for us. What's going to happen to you if you disobey? What's going to happen to you if you sacrifice? What's going to happen to you if you dial in and get all committed? What are the consequences going to be? Now, also, what are the consequences going to be if you don't? But look what he says. But the good Samaritan reversed the question. If I do not stop and help this man, what will happen to him? If I do not stop and help this man, what's going to happen to him? See, we're thinking about ourselves and the consequences in our obedience or disobedience either way when we think what's going to happen to me if I do this. If I disobey here, if I do this, what's going to happen to me? And yet we so often, again, in our disobedience, do not ask, what's it going to do to them? What is my disobedience going to do for them? I wonder what it would mean for the, for the witness of Jesus Christ in the little town of Fairdale if y'all saw me abandon Christ, cheat on my wife and kids, and run away. What if today was the last time you saw me? And I was just gone. I wonder what that would do. Would that affect anybody? These are the type of things that the Bible is telling us to think about. What's going to happen to you if you say, well, oh, I just can't live that way anymore. And I want to, I, I can't do that. I got to be happy. And I, I need to do this for me. I'm going to go and get in this situation. You're thinking only about yourself, not even getting towards the consequences that ripple effect out to so many others. And this is the very heart of Jesus' message when he's talking about children. And I know it's real easy to make a baby, if you will, but it is a huge responsibility. And while you might like the process of trying to make one, you better understand what it takes to raise one. Jesus says, it would be better for you to have a millstone which weighs so much tied around your neck and thrown into the ocean than for you to cause a child to stumble In regards to God. See, some people think Jesus is a good teacher. I think he's a king. Who says if you want to have a child, don't cause him to stumble. Do not get in the way of what God's going to do in them. But yet, so often what we're thinking is about me. Here's what i got to do. You know what breaks my heart? Families that I know, some in our church, 
who are falling away. Their children I've not seen in months. Some I haven't seen in years. They're not knowing the Lord. They're not growing up knowing the Lord. They don't know anything about it. And there's somebody out there who's saying, well, I just got to do this. There might be some consequences for you, but there's also some consequences out there for them. And Jesus got serious, serious, serious words for those that don't want to realize there are consequences if we don't want to listen to God. Oh, that you and I would literally shake with disobeying and ignoring what God has told us to do. We thank God for children. He gives them. And every time we find out and celebrate another pregnant person, that's awesome. But may it be that we don't want to get in the way of them knowing Him. Number one, there are consequences for not listening to God. But number two, the purpose of the consequences is that you would know God. Look at verse 8. Then Pharaoh called Moses and Aaron and said, Plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. Now, Pharaoh, the one who's not listening, is calling them. They said, if you let the people go, Pharaoh says no. Okay, if you don't, we're going to send frogs. The frogs come. Well, then he contacts them. He contacts them and he says, please pray to the Lord, whoever it is that sent this. Now, this doesn't mean he believes, but he knows that he didn't send it. He knows the magicians don't have the power that the one they're copying does. Whoever sent these, pray to him, make it stop, please. A couple weeks ago, we were having the parking lot worked on. Constructions workers were out here. I spoke to you, I don't know, Wednesday night or Sunday night, and I said, please pray for me that I would be able to speak to these men. It doesn't seem right to me that there would be a crew of workers in our parking lot working on a church who are not hearing what the church people are about. Is it not hypocritical if we have a mission statement that says we exist to proclaim Jesus, people come to us to work on our parking lot, and we don't proclaim Jesus to them? Isn't that wrong? Isn't that hypocritical? Yes. And there are consequences ripple affecting out to those workers too. Anybody ever told them about Jesus? They ever heard about the blood and the cross? No. Well, I guess maybe they've never seen any. Wrong. They interact with them all the time, but they don't ever speak to them about it. That's a problem. And so you were praying, and I was hoping, and I was out there talking to them, and they finished up on Sunday, and on Monday I got a phone call. The project is over. They're done. They're not coming back anymore. On Monday I got a phone call. I said, hello? Hey, Josh, this is such and such. Did you forget me? No, I didn't forget you, man. How you doing? Man, I just wanted to tell you that it was it really was great working on y'all's church. You know what? After spending some time over there around y'all, I think my wife and I are going to come visit and check y'all's church out. I was shocked. I was shocked. He lives out in Mount Washington. Had several conversations with me about where his life's at and why he's not in church. He called us. Saying him and his wife want to come. We want to be a people that want people to know the Lord. We were thinking that way. I was asking you to pray for it. I trust that many of you did. And God's making that happen. This man, through doing his job working on our parking lot, is hearing about Christ and going to further hear about Christ. Pharaoh 
calls out to Moses and Aaron, plead with the Lord to take away the frogs from me and from my people, and I will let the people go to sacrifice to the Lord. So there you have it. Pharaoh says, I will let them go if the frogs stop. Verse 9, Moses said to Pharaoh, be pleased to command me when I am to plead for you and for your servants and for your people that the frogs be cut off from you and your houses and be left only in the Nile. Now, what, what Moses is doing here is he is making it obviously clear to Pharaoh, God's doing this. You want me to pray and stop it? OK, well, we won't let it be some confusing mystery about whether the prayers are working or not. You tell me when you want it to stop. I'll tell God. God will make it to stop. Make no mistake about it. God's doing this. Don't you like how God works? Moses, it had been like us saying, okay, I'm going to go and pray about it. And then a couple days later, he sees him and says, yeah, God stopped it. And Pharaoh thinks, well, I don't know if God stopped it. Maybe he just relented. I don't don't know. All right, tell me when. And so it's obviously clear that God is stopping this plague. One commentator says, His refusal, since God would end the plague when Moses prayed to God to end the plague, it shows that this is of God, and Pharaoh knew that. His refusal to believe, even then, is a paradigm, listen, for all who, though confronted with the reasonableness of biblical truth, nevertheless refuse to believe by reason of factors other than the believability of the evidence. Here's what what that means. He is about to know, obviously, clearly, that God is doing this, and yet he will still reject it. That's why in apologetics and in conversations, just you being right is not going to cause somebody to believe. Pharaoh knows here that God is doing this and he still doesn't believe. God must do it. God must turn his heart, change his heart. God must cause and allow and enable Pharaoh to believe. Verse 10. He said tomorrow, Moses said, be it as you say, so that you may know. But there is no one like the Lord our God. The frogs shall go away from you and your houses and your servants and your people. They shall be left only in the Nile. So what we have here is Moses saying, okay, you're going to let the people go if it stops. I'll pray to God. It'll stop. We want you to let the people go. And here's what we want you to know. God. We want you to know that there is no one like the Lord our God. We want you to know that He made you. We want you to know that He loves you. We want you to know that He's the only one that will save you. He's the only one that can forgive you of your sins. He's the only one that will make your life last beyond this temporary small little life, Pharaoh. We want you to know that. And as I said at the beginning, this is what God wants all of us to know. And if any of you are in the room and you don't know God, then this is a huge problem and there will be consequences for now. For that, temporal consequences here on earth and major, serious, horrible consequences for you forever in eternity separated from God. Listen to just some of these scriptures about the need to know God. Jeremiah 9, 23 and 24. Let not the wise man boast in his wisdom. Let not the mighty man boast in his might. Let not the rich man boast in his riches. But let him who boasts, listen to this, boast in this, that he understands and knows me. God says there are people that can boast, but the only thing worth boasting in is that you know God. Because the only way that somebody knows God is because God has done a work in their life. And this is the thing that the Bible says that we can boast in, that we know him. Solomon in 1 Kings praying says, In order that all the peoples of the earth may know your name and fear you, God, work in people's lives that they would know you. 
or to bring it home and make it even more clear. Let's, let me hear you. Let, let me share with you what Paul says in Philippians chapter three. But whatever gain I had, I counted as loss for the sake of Christ. Indeed, I count everything as loss because of the surpassing worth of knowing Christ Jesus, my Lord. For his sake, I've suffered the loss of all things and count them as rubbish. Listen, those are circumstances in order that I may gain Christ and be found in him. Not having a righteousness of my own that comes from the law, but that which comes through faith in Christ, the righteousness from God that depends on faith. Listen, that I may know him and the power of his resurrection and may share his sufferings, becoming like him in his death, that by any means possible, I may attain the resurrection from the dead. Paul says, I count everything as lost that I could know Jesus. Folks, that is what your life is about. That you would know God. We are wrong if we don't know Him. We are satisfied if we do. And if you're caught in between the two of that, then I urge you, beg you, plead with you that you would repent of your sins today. Look to Christ and know Him. Don't be like Pharaoh. Understand that the the purpose of these consequences is that you would know God. They say, let the people go. Pharaoh says no. If you don't, we're going to send frogs. God sends all types of frogs. Pharaoh hates the frogs. He says, pray to God. And and, and Moses says, God will make them stop that you would know God. Know that He is the Lord. Know Him. Still doesn't help. I also want you to see that this, this very working is what God is doing in order to cause people to know Him. Much, much later in the Psalms, the psalmist write of God sending frogs that they would know Him. Psalm 78, verse 45. He sent among them frogs which destroyed them. Psalm 105, verse 30. Their land swarmed with frogs, even in the chambers of their kings. Why? Why is that such a big deal? Why are frogs everywhere a big deal? Because God is working in people's lives that they would know Him. And I want you to see now. That perhaps you've got a new friendship, new relationship, new neighbor, new coworker, somebody that does not know God. The number one reason that God has you in their life or you in their life, that they would know Christ. Watch this awesome video at the conference I was at last week. Actually, they showed a video every single, every single session that talked about how somebody got saved. And there was this older couple. They were like in their fifties that had met and, and he started going after this lady. They went on a couple dates and they had a good time. And finally the man said to her, I would like to pursue you in marriage. And she said, I would love for you to pursue me in marriage, but you cannot. He said, why? She said, you're not a Christian. He said, yes, I am a Christian. She said, no, you're not. But I can tell you how to be one. They had been married 20 years at the time. She led that man to Christ. She was able to say to him, you do not know Christ. He came to know Christ. And I want you to see that this is what Moses or God is teaching us through Moses in the book of Exodus, even through the plagues, is that God is working in circumstance after circumstance after circumstance that we would be a people helping people know Christ. So I'm so thankful for what God is doing through our church up at the high school. All kinds of relationships going on at the high school in which people are now coming toward us asking for help. Which is what good is what we want. And we will help them and help them in knowing Christ. We will tell them what it takes to know the Lord. Number one, these are 
there are consequences for not listening to God. And number two, the purpose of the consequences is that you would know God. Number three, sometimes people still don't listen after the consequences. Look at verse 15. But when Pharaoh saw that there was a respite, he hardened his heart and would not listen to them as the Lord had said. This verse is so mighty. And this verse speaks to so very many of us. All of us at a time have asked for God to do something, pledging that if God did it, we would change. God does it. We don't change. This is exactly what happened with Pharaoh. Okay, Moses, pray to him. Make the frogs stop. When they stop, I'll let them go. The frogs stopped. It says they were there. They dried up. They died all over the place. Verse 13. They gathered them up. The land stank. And once it stopped, Pharaoh said, no, hardened his heart back. Wouldn't let them go. Folks, can I tell you a reality here today? There are a lot of people who, although they know they're disobeying God, although they know they're wrong against God like Pharaoh did, he, he, cried, he knew it was of God. He cried out to make God stop it. They will still not turn to God. Some people, even with the obvious consequences, won't. This is a reality that you and I need to know in the world. Some people will stay away from God. Some people don't want God. And this is heavy and it's sad, but it is true. It is true. Some people would say, I'd rather not. Number three, sometimes people still don't listen after the consequences, as we see with Pharaoh. Then lastly, number four, let's be clear. This is the finger of God, God at work. And we see this in the third plague. Look at verse 16. Then the Lord said to Moses, say to Aaron, stretch out your staff and strike the dust of the earth so that it may become gnats in all the land of Egypt. And they did so. Aaron stretched out his hand with his staff and struck the dust of the earth. And there were gnats on man and beast. All the dust of the earth became gnats in all the land of Egypt. There are gnats everywhere. Now, I do want to point out that, 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 that in, the, in the original, this doesn't necessarily mean gnats. It just means super small insects with, with two wings. Might have been mosquitoes. There's a lot of people that think that this was mosquitoes. Sounds a lot worse if it was mosquitoes, right? But a lot of gnats at the same time can be bad. I'm sure you've been a part of a hot summer day where there are just gnats everywhere and you can't really be outside. I went to college straight out of high school in South Georgia where it's like 110 during the summer and just miserable. And, and in August down, down there in Tifton, Georgia, we had an outdoor picnic. And those gnats were everywhere. And I remember eating some potato salad in a swarm of gnats. And I remember taking my potato salad and just going like that. And my whole potato salad was just covered in gnats. I was like, I, I just ate it and kept going with it. Gnats all over the potato salad. Couldn't do anything about it. They were everywhere. But the plague here is obviously not like that. Gnats are everywhere. And it's the plague. I want to point out to you too, though, this is the first time in the ten plagues where God didn't give any warning. No warning here, no conversation. He warned them on the blood to the river. He warned them on the frogs. Here, make gnats. Aaron and Moses, make gnats. And God makes gnats. You see what's happening? God is intensifying it. Pharaoh now said he was going to let him go, and he's not. God is intensifying this. He will make Pharaoh know, one way or the other, that he is the Lord, and there is no other. Let's keep going, though. Verse 18. The magicians tried by their secret arts to produce gnats 
but they could not. So there were gnats on man and beast. Then the magician said to Pharaoh, can you imagine this conversation? His people knowing. Pharaoh, this is the finger of God. Can you imagine being to the point in life with your disobedient, disobedience and the consequences all around to where now other people are telling you this is God? Can you imagine being so prideful and disobedient and refusing to listen to God that now other people are saying, I think God's trying to tell you something. I think the problem here is you're not listening to God. I want to ask you, if somebody was to tell you that you were disobeying God, would you listen? I want to ask you, if somebody was to confront you or talk to you about your life and the direction it's going, would you listen? The magicians come and they say, we can't do this. God's the one doing this. God's the one telling you to let them go. And God's the one now packing the heat to get you to let them go. That blood thing, God was doing that. Those frogs, God was doing that. These gnats, we can't even do that. God is speaking to you, Pharaoh. Why? So that you would know God. You look around at the consequences in your life. You look around at the consequences in the people around you's lives. Why? Why is this happening? I'll tell you one of the reasons, the main reason. That you would know the Lord. Also, let's be clear here that what God is doing are not tricks to the people of Egypt. These are not tricks. These are miracles. This is the power of God. This is the finger of God saying, Pharaoh, listen to me or else there will be consequences. Let's also see here that the blood and the frogs, those were also the finger of God. Although many people would not have recognized it because the magicians copied it. They were the finger of God, too. Can I encourage you here today that the finger of God is all over your lives, bringing about consequences that you would know Him. And may we be a people who understand through the work of Christ on the cross, we can know God. That our sins can be forgiven and know Him. 1 John says that I write these things that you would believe in the name of God. And that by believing, you would know that you have eternal life. May it be obviously clear that you and I are aware of the circumstances and that we know God. Let's pray together. Father in heaven, thank you that you're able to get people's attention. And yet, thank you, God, that by your grace, when you get our attention, we can come. We can come to you. We can know you. Father, may it not be that you and that, that, that we, me and, the, and, and these people, our church, God, are not knowing you or not listening to you or turning our hardened hearts away from the circumstances. Father, may we know you. And I ask that you be at work in us today. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you're here today and you